Welcome to Canvas Church. You are listening to our weekly celebration service message. Thank you for tuning in. Good morning. You guys sound not awake. Good morning. Nice. It's a fantastic day today. Um, it's really hot, a little bit gross. Perfect time to come and enjoy a little bit of God. Um, we, uh, uh, you know, it's fantastic to be here. It's really bright standing here. Um, you know, we have an amazing church, and this, this past week, uh, I have had a family full of sick young people. All the, I have two daughters, a wife, and all of them have been either sick, still sick, very feverish, so it's made life pretty long, not a lot of sleep, um, hasn't been a whole lot of fun, but there are those glimpses of little funny things, like when you have a sick child and they do something crazy. My child will fall asleep in the hallway, or um, <laughs> she's just weird, but um, it's been a long week. But to have a church family, a group of people that you know care about you and love you, no matter what, uh, is amazing. So I have so many thank yous just for, for all of you today who've just reached out and uh, said a prayer and... Stuff like that. It's really good to have you. Um, and then we had our cruising grand up in Escondido on Friday night, which was a good time. Um, we were cruising grand is a street, and they line up a bunch of old cars, and there's some booths, and um, people just walk around, and you think, oh, this is probably a bunch of old car guys. No, this is a bunch of families and everybody. It's crazy. Um, lots of fun. 7-Eleven's a little ways away from where we are, so it was quite a walk in the heat, but we got there, and it, it was very nice. Um, we got to reach out to, I'd probably say about 65, 70, maybe, probably a lot more than that, because we probably hit about 40 families, and then there were just other single people there. It was amazing just to hand out cards and say, you know what, we'd love to invite you to our church that's opening up here in uh, a couple of weeks. We have a couple of preview services at the end of the month and then a grand opening in September, uh, at the beginning of September. And the response from people was actually, it was pretty good. It's always one of those weird scenarios where, okay, first off, if you are shy and you're trying to break out of that, go to the next one that we have because you sit there with a touch card and you just approach people and say, hey, would you like to come to church? You have no idea what you're going to get from people. I was expecting a lot of interesting comments or something, but most everybody's pretty nice up in that area. And, um, <laughs> and uh, uh, as Pastor Ben, when he was doing transition, he touched on insecurity. And uh, it's good to know that you have a pastor who prays throughout the week and knows what his congregation's going through. Because uh, there were a lot of hands up. And... Uh, I had a hand up. It was, it was a long week. Um, but on Friday, when we were at Cruz and Grand, I met two people. The guy was probably mid-50s, early 60s. He told me his name was Tiny Tim, and I think his wife's name was Deborah. He tried to tell me that Tiny Tim was a name that was in the Bible. I'm pretty sure he was completely joking, or else I have no idea about Bible at all. Um, but the funny thing is, he actually knew quite a bit of the word. And... 
He didn't sit there and grill me in like a bad way, but he just wanted to know about my story. Why? Why do you believe what you believe? What have you gone through that makes you believe in God? And he just sat there and kept asking these questions, but it wasn't rude. It wasn't anything like that. And he sat there and he listened to all my answers. And then he looked at me and he was like, you know what? I really like you. I haven't been to church more than one time in my life, and I went in fourth grade. But I think there's something really special about you and this God person. So maybe one day I'll walk into your church. And then he goes, I want to give you a donation. And I was like, I'm so not here for that. Um, but when you say donation, do you mean like to me or to my church? Because I, uh, I could take it. Um, and uh, he pulled out 20 bucks and he was like, I want to give this to you guys. And I was like, that's awesome. You're going to help a kid go to camp. And I got to tell him about camp. And he was like, this is just a good day for me. God is crazy. He's going to bring you Tiny Tim or whatever that dude's name is. And he's going, to restore your, he's going to restore you when you are not feeling good about yourself. When you have no idea what you're doing or why you're doing what you're doing. He's going to bring somebody like that. The Bible uses a donkey. You know, God's got crazy people out there for you. So say hello to him. Um, I guess I, I, I want to go on forever. But I actually have a message prepared today. And I'm excited to bring it. Um, it took me a while, as I told you, I had a long week. Thank God I have a wonderful wife who, uh, I don't know how she deals with me, honestly. Uh, <laughs> I gave her my message, and she was like, can I be honest? And I was like, yup. <laughs> so if there are no points on the screen today, it's because she convinced me that God speaks to me and that... I should listen. So, some of this happened very early this morning. Um, <laughs> we're talking about hope, and we've been preaching on the book of 1 Thessalonians, which is in the New Testament. I think it's about 14 books into the New Testament. It's after, I believe, Colossians. Um, if you want to go there, if you have a physical Bible, you can do that. I'll give you a couple extra seconds. Or if you have a phone, your phone will get there quicker than probably your fingers and your eyes. But Pastor Ben got to preach on the first two chapters, and it was a great time to hear that. And then we had a week where we had the Agape League, and we got to see young people uh, just praise and worship God. And there's nothing like being able to see that and, and be inspired to know that God is working. You know, to see kids really just be passionate about God is special. Um, and then last week, my wife got to preach, and she had a great message about um, being that diamond that God wants us to be, and not being the carbon, not having, being able to withstand that pressure and having that pressure create you into what he's cherishes. He's, you're a precious, flawless gem. You're a diamond. There's a reason why he's created you to be who you are. Uh, and today, I get to... Um, I just got a text. I don't think she realizes that I'm preaching. What up? Um, so today I'm going to read 1 Thessalonians 4. I hope you're all there now. I gave you a lot of time. We're going to start. Finally then, brothers, we ask and urge you in the Lord Jesus that as you receive from us how you ought to walk 
and to please God, just as you are doing, that you do so more and more. For you know what instructions we gave you through the Lord Jesus. For this is the will of God, your sanctification, that you abstain from sexual immorality, that each one of you know how to control his own body in holiness and honor, not in the passion of lust like the Gentiles who do not know God, that no one transgress and wrong his brother in this matter, because the Lord is an avenger in all these things. As we told you beforehand and solemnly warned you, for God has not called us for impurity, but in holiness. Therefore, whoever disregards this disregards not man, but God, who gives his Holy Spirit to you. Now concerning brotherly love, you have no need for anyone to write to you, for you yourselves have been taught by God to love one another. That's awesome, by the way. You don't need anyone to teach you how to love, because God's already taught you. And if you want a good teacher, there's not a better one. For that indeed is what you are doing to all the brothers throughout Macedonia. But we urge you, brothers, to do this more and more, and to aspire to live quietly, and to mind your own affairs, and to work with your hands as we instructed you, so that you may walk properly before outsiders and be dependent on no one. But we do not want you to be uninformed, brothers, about those who are asleep, that you may not grieve as others do who have no hope. For since we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so through Jesus, God will bring with him those who have fallen asleep. For this we declare to you by a word from the Lord that we who are alive, who are left until the coming of the Lord, will not precede those who have fallen asleep. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a cry of command, with the voice of an archangel, and with the sound of the trumpet of God. And the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive, who are left, will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so we will always be with the Lord. Therefore, encourage one another with these words. Let's bow our heads and pray. Lord God, we thank you for this wonderful day. We thank you that today is the day you've created for any and every reason that you wanted to create it, Lord God, that your will is going to be done. Lord God, that through this word today, through, uh, you're going to just use me as the vessel that for some reason you wanted to use, Lord God, to put this word out there today. Lord God, I thank you so much for what you are doing in this church, what you're doing in this city, Lord God. We know that you have great plans for San Diego and you have great plans for Canvas Church, Lord God. We lift your word up today. In your mighty name, amen. amen. I know I read the entire chapter to you. It's a great, phenomenal chapter. I wanted you guys all to hear everything about it. I'm going to focus on the first eight verses today. Um, after day, today, you can go back and read what comes after because it is great stuff. But I just really feel like God was speaking this to me. Um, many Christians often wonder what the will of God is for their life. And I know for myself, I've asked that question numerous times. I grew up in the church for a little bit. Um, and I just went to church. I didn't really know God at all. And, and there was a point when I was probably in like fifth or sixth grade where I was like, what is this whole will of God thing? And then uh, as I got older, I kind of tailored off and didn't really do too much reading in my Bible or spend any time with God. And then I got to my junior year in high school. I went to, um, I actually did go to a summer camp, and it was a great time, and I learned a lot about God. And uh, I really learned what it was to have a relationship with him. So I dedicated um, my life to God then. I got into college, 
I did a few other things um, and just decided to abandon the will of God. And I finally think now at 34, but a very young and handsome looking 34, <laughs> that I understand it a little better. Um, that I don't have to go through what I've gone through a few other times to realize what God is doing with me. Um, is there anybody else out there who's been through that, who you feel like you've been a Christian once or twice or maybe three times? Yeah. I'll pray for you, and I'll pray for those of you that did not raise your hand, that you do not have to go through it because it is not fun. And I wish that I would have read verses 3 uh, of chapter 4 a long time ago. Verse 3 says this, for this, is will, uh, for this is the will of God. Very clear. This is the will of God. Your sanctification, his will for us is to be sanctified, that you abstain from sexual immorality. So for this passage, this is what that's saying. His will for us is sanctification. What is sanctification? Sanctification means we are on the path in the process of becoming holy. There's that fantastic word that everybody loves, which is process. If you ever think you're gonna be out of process, you are wrong. We are not gonna be perfect. But if we learn to deal with knowing we're gonna be in process, it's gonna be a lot easier to understand what God is doing with us in that process, and we're not going to have to redo the things that we've done before, because God is a very efficient God. If you do something wrong and you're not understanding what it is he wants you to learn, you are going to screw up there again. And you will fall there again and again until it gets into your head that you know what, I need to change something. Sanctification means that we are set apart to God to be used by him for his use. He wants nothing more than to be able to use us. I love it. He's fantastic. Verse 4 and 5 go on to say this, that each one of you know how to control his own body in holiness and honor, not in the passion of lust like the Gentiles who do not know God. Paul writes, that part of sanctification is abstaining from sexual immorality. And he goes on to say that each one of you knows how to control his own body, which we do. Self-control. We can control ourselves. God has given us that. That's not even a superpower or something that he gives us. We all have the ability to do that. Believer, non-believer, we can be self-controlled. Um, and the cool thing is, is, when Paul, wrote, when Paul wrote Thessalonians, he knew exactly who he was writing to. Um, in Thessalonica, they used to, it was a very pagan place. It was basically the capital of uh, Macedonia at the time. Um, and they, there was a lot of sexual sin. So there's a reason why Paul is saying this. Because these are pretty new believers. And what happens when you're a new believer is that sometimes you can fall back into things. So God clearly knew what he was doing when he put this passage into the Bible because let's be honest with ourselves that this is clearly something that within the church today is still a major struggle. Yeah. 
it, it is a huge struggle. For us to be in the will of God, having control over our body, means that we also have to have control over our mind. Because our body's only going to do what our mind is telling us. Second yeah, Corinthians 10.5 says this. I took the second half. So 2 Corinthians 10.5b. And take every thought captive to obey Christ. All those thoughts that can lead you down the wrong path. Man, you better be praying this. Find a way to take those captive. Find a way to be obedient to God so you don't have to deal with those struggles that you've been dealing with. Because if our body does what our mind tells us, then we're going to either be making the right decision or we'll be making the wrong decision. Yeah. I have a fun analogy for you. Came up with it all on my own. I really hope some of you get it. <laughs> um, and I, if you are one of those people who knows like the difference between analogy, simile, hyperbole, all that stuff, there's a good chance I'm wrong that this is not an analogy. We'll just call it a story. Don't come up to me and tell me what it is. Um, when, people, when people talk about their Christianity, people will tell you, uh, they'll say something like my walk with God. A lot of people do it. I do it all the time because I don't know if I grew up just hearing it, but I love it. I love just saying my walk with God has been a good one. I've had ups, I've had downs, but I'm in a great place right now. Why is it that we say that? Why is it that we say our walk with God? We're going to come back to it anyway. How many of you here are runners? Raise a hand. I'm slightly blind, so I'm going to say a lot. Okay. So as runners, I know you just, you lace up the shoes, you get on maybe your tight, stretchy pants because that's what you got to do sometimes. You throw your headphones on and you pump a little Beyonce, and you're just gonna go. You hit the pavement, and you're gone. You have a goal in mind. You know, I'm gonna run eight miles, I'm gonna get it done in this amount of time, and you are just set right on it. Now, I know, because I was a very new Christian once, and I know that many people have had an experience like this, so I relate this to the new, new believers and, and those who are getting ready to accept Christ. There's a fire. There's a passion that is there. And you are so set to see God, to see more of God, to get in his presence, that you are just going. And you are so focused, you're just focused straight, that you, you have this picture of his face and you're just running towards his face. But what happens when you are so just determined to get there when you have these other little things happening around you, because I know runners, you'll be running, everything you own in the box to the left, and you just keep going, you keep going, you're singing, and you, you, there could be a car wreck, there could be a fire, you're just running, you got no idea what else is happening. And so those car wrecks and those fires, those can be those things that we struggled with in our past. And so if you're going and you're going so fast, you're not really seeing, you know what, there still might be some of this here. There might be some of that addiction that's still over here. There might be some of those lustful thoughts and that pornography that's over here. But you just keep running. Because, and I'm not telling you that it's all bad, because there are some great times. 
because you are passionate for God, and I'm not telling you you're wrong, but I'm telling you that you're probably missing a few things sometimes. Because there are things that need to be worked on. There are things that, that need to be fixed with God's help. Because what happens when you run? You go run your eight miles, you did it in, I was gonna say 36 minutes, but that's pretty quick. You do it in like 50 minutes or whatever that is. You come home, you're just beat, you're dead tired. What happens when you're tired? You start to fall into other, to old habits. You start to get lazy. So if you're always sprinting just to the face of God, and you're missing the things that he's shown you you need to work on, you're going to find yourself doing those things over and over and over again. We have... So, okay, so I got that. Yes, I got to my point. We have consequences. So if we find ourselves keep doing those things, we're going to have to suffer those consequences. And we're going to learn eventually. But all that learning time can be time where God is using us. Because what is that sanctification is for God to be able to use us. And if we're still screwing up and still go through the, going through that stuff, he's not going to be able to use us the way he really wants to. I know this from past experience because I once was a runner. Clearly, not any longer. <laughs> it might happen again. But I really believe that God wants us to walk with him. And that's why I think when people say, my walk with God, what happens on a walk? I'm going to read this to you. Isaiah 35, 8 says this. And a highway shall be there, and it shall be called the way of holiness. The unclean shall not pass over it. It shall belong to those who walk on the way. Even if they are fools, they shall not go astray. I have no problem telling you that I've been a fool. But even a fool will not go astray if he walks down that path of holiness. I believe it's called a walk with God for a very important reason. Because when you go on a walk, you're taking your time. You do see those things that are happening around you. And when you're walking with God, he's right here next to you. That's the awesome thing about God is he's not gonna leave your side. So if you're running, you can't run out in front of him. It's not your job to pave a way for him. He wants to walk with you. It's very hard to have a relationship with somebody who's way behind you when you're up there. But if you have somebody right here next to you, you're going to have him with you as you're walking. And when you walk by that place, let's call it the porn palace. God's going to say, you know what? We probably shouldn't take this route anymore. Or better yet, let's just burn the place down and blow it up. Let's find a way to scrub it from your mind and get rid of it. Because that's the God that we serve. He doesn't want us to have to deal with that anymore. But if we realize and we know the consequences of our actions and we know what that's done into our life before, then we can get rid of that. God can use that testimony. The reason we're able to overcome past addictions, drugs, alcohol, pornography, sexual immorality, the reason we're able to overcome that is not because of our strength, it's because the one we're walking with 
It's God's strength in us that allows us to overcome, that allows us to get through those things that we struggle with. Through that strength, we can change lives. If he can use this when we're sanctified, because that's what he wants, that's what he's going to do. And through that, people will be changed. Because they'll see that strength. If people see somebody who's weak, they're not going to follow you. They're not going to listen to you. If they see that you're struggling with the same sin for three or four years... It's not going to happen. Let God's strength take you where you need to go. Don't feel like you've got to do what you have to do because it's not about you. Let's move to verse 7 and 8. For God has not called us for impurity, but in holiness. Therefore, whoever disregards this disregards not man but God who gives his Holy Spirit to you. This is the call. Two of the hardest things we try to figure out, the will for God and the call on our life. Holiness, his call to holiness. When the Thessalonians accepted Paul's gospel, they accepted God's call to holiness. God's call to, I put Paul and call together. God's call to holiness. They accepted that they were different. Holiness is to be set apart. You're different than something else. And, and being different, being set apart, means that you are special. God created each and every one of us. We all have an opportunity to be set apart. But what he's telling these people right now is you are special. There's things that are going to get done through you. And that's what they understood. They accepted that call. Hey, they weren't perfect. Clearly, they were not perfect. Paul's main message in the first eight verses is about sexual immorality because he knew they were still going to screw up. You don't have to be perfect. I will never be close. We can compare ourselves. Something to judge yourself by. But as long as we're striving for that holiness, to be more like God, to live a life like him, he's going to use us. And then it goes on and it says, who gives his Holy Spirit to you? God empowered them with the Holy Spirit. He gave us the Holy Spirit because he knew it was going to be difficult to live a life of righteousness. And that doing it alone was going to be very, very tough. That's why he gave us the Holy Spirit. Romans 8.11 says this, if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. That same spirit that raised Christ from the dead is the same spirit that dwells inside of you. There is no reason that we cannot overcome some of these issues. There's no reason that we should feel like we're alone that there's things we can't get through. We are empowered by the Holy Spirit. That strength that Christ had is put inside of us. It is set on us. You don't have to rely on yourself. And the fantastic thing about having a church here, having a family here, 
is you get to build each other up. If you read later on in the chapter, they talk about love. They talk about love amongst the brothers. We are all brothers and sisters here. There's a bunch of other churches out in San Diego. We're all brothers and sisters. We lift each other up. We empower one another by speaking life into one another. If you are in a struggle, talk to your brothers and sisters. If we rely solely on our flesh to fight off a sin, and I might have plagiarized this from a friend, one of our fellow pastors here. She sent it to me. If we rely on our flesh to fight off sin and live holy, we will fail. It is when we rely on his strength that we will succeed. We will succeed when we know that we are relying on him. First Thessalonians 4.13. My wife, stop writing messages, woman. 1 Thessalonians 4.13 says this, that you may not grieve as others who do who have no hope. It's not what God wants for us. He doesn't want us to grieve. He doesn't want us to feel like we have no hope. It's not his calling on our lives. Jeremiah 29.11 says this, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans for welfare and not for evil, to give you a future and a hope. He has a plan for you. You may not have a plan for you, but he has a plan for you. He already knows your future. He's already got hope for you. You got to snatch it. You got to take it because it's just sitting there waiting for you. He wants you to declare that over your life. Write Jeremiah 11 down wherever you got to write it down. That is what he wants for you. We're going to go all the way back to verse 1 real quick. Which says this. No, don't go away. Finally then, brothers... Sorry, this intelligent stuff I have up here is killing me. Finally then, brothers, we ask and urge you in the Lord Jesus that as you receive from us how you ought to walk and to please God. If we please God, we bring God, we bring God great joy. He wants to delight in us. He wants to find joy in us. And how do we please him? What was the will of God for your life? Sanctification. You walk in that. What was the call? To be holy. Holiness. You can be just like the Thessalonians. You just got to answer the call. Pick up the phone. Whatever you want to say. I was trying to make it funny. It's not funny. Answer the call that God has given you. If you want to please your father, there is nothing greater. As you know when you are a child, there is nothing greater than pleasing your father. To see that smile on his face, to see how happy he is when he's like, that's my kid. My kid did something good. I didn't even have to tell him. It's just in his character. It's just who he is. 
That's what he wants out of us. I have a daughter who's almost two. She's crazy. She's stubborn. She is super strong-willed. And when she does something wrong and I say something to her, she's like, no, Papa. No, Papa. I'm like, great. You'll get spanked for that later. We got to deal with the first issue. And I'll tell her and I'll explain to her why it was wrong. And when you see that she gets it, because trust me, she may be 23 and a half months old, but she understands a lot. If you think your child does not understand a lot, you are played. <laughs> My baby will look at me and bawl and just say, Papa, 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 Papa. Because my little girl knows what it's like for her father to be disappointed. She sees that. Did Becca just jump up here? I was gonna give her a sign. She sees that. And trust me, if she gets disciplined and she learns, because she's gonna learn, she's smart. She will know what to do to please her father. Maybe I just wanted to brag about my daughter for a second, but I, I think that's how God views us. Because we know that when we screw up, we screw up good. And we say, no, Papa. No, Papa. And then God kind of, he tickles you a little bit pushes your buttons a little bit, and you're like, sorry, Papa. And you cry. I do. I cry all the time. <laughs> I love verse 1. I love it. How do we please our Father? I know you heard me say, walk again. And this, this came to me during worship, so I don't have it all down, but I'll put it all together. It's not about getting to holiness the fastest. It's about getting it right the first time so you get through your crap, so you please your Heavenly Father because He wants to delight in you. It is not about getting there the fastest. Because here's the funny thing is as you walk slow and you deal with those things, you're getting there really quick. Because it's not about you. If God wants you there, his push is a little stronger and a little greater than whatever you're going to do on your own. Let's close our eyes for a moment. I know um, God was just talking to me during the beginning of worship, and I know there are people in here today who know about God, who have family that are believers, who have people around them who are believers, who have talked to them about coming to know God. But it's tough. It's a hard decision to die to yourself and live for somebody else by faith. 
to have these things that feel like restrictions put over you, but they're not. The things that, that are going to make you special, make you set apart because he wants to use you, because he has plans for you. And God just told me that there's somebody here who you keep going back and saying, but I did this. And every time I come to God, I run and I fall into the same stuff. I deal with the same issues every time, but I can't overcome. The message from God is clear. You can't overcome. Let him use you. Let him put his strength inside of you. You'll find your way. I don't know who that was for, but God just told me to, to say it. I know um, to do the will of God and answer the call looks scary and it can be tough. But man, life without him is a lot worse. Let's not pretend like every day is great without him. It's really hard. But a life with God is glorious. His promises are eternal. And his love never fails. If there's anybody here today who feels like, like they're on the cusp of just, you feel like you've been sprinting, you feel like you've been running, and you're just tired. You feel like you're going to go back into those old ways of life. You feel somewhat hopeless. Will you raise your hand? We want to pray for you today. God, we thank you. We thank you for that life. That feels like giving up sometimes. That life that feels like it'll just be easier because I, I feel like I keep failing and I'm not getting to where God wants me to be, so I'm just going to stop trying. Lord, today we lift that person up to you. We pray for your strength to touch them for your strength to dwell inside of them, Lord God, that you will be their encouragement, you will be their hope, that you will impress on them, that you have plans for them, that you have a future for them, and that something inside of them is going to get built up where they have a desire to please you, God. Thank you for joining us today. For more information, please visit our website at www.canvaschurchsd.com.